Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, joined once again by Corey, the Bayou Benders, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. so we're back again for another episode um you know not too much to talk about we have one game but an exciting one to say the least and uh before we get to that Corey, how you doing buddy uh doing good fuck when was the last time we talked friday yeah so uh, thanksgiving thursday. had already passed thursday whatever it was um yeah i'm good fucking had to work saturday uh, i was off today and uh, I took advantage of doing absolutely nothing, so it's been great. No, that's good. Sometimes you need to just do nothing, right? Recharge the batteries. That's right. I got a late one tomorrow. Uh, and I've got one more Pelicans game during the middle of the week, and then uh, I go on vacation the next week. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, I haven't had this many days off in a while, and it'll be a nice uh, bit of recovery. No, absolutely. Sorry, how many days did you say? I'm sorry. I'm for the listeners. If I, I'm uh, having some internet issues here, but sorry, where where did you say there, Corey? Oh, I'm just. Uh, I got this week to go through. Uh, I got two events to work this week, which are Pelicans games, uh, and then I go on vacation, which is uh, awesome because I haven't had a week off uh, in what feels like half a year. So, oh, that's great. What any uh any plans for that, or are you just gonna take your easy, bud? Yeah, going to Dallas. Gonna go see my first NHL game. Um, first NHL game. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Gonna go see uh, the Stars play the Wild, and now that Flurry's activated, it should be a pretty good game. Uh, Stars have been fun to watch as of late. And you might be, you might even be seeing the top point getter in the league too. If Jason Robertson continues on the, I can't wait. I can't wait him. Uh, I got my Pavelski Jersey. Uh, Can't wait to wear that. And actually like, not just wear the Jersey because I want to wear it like have like 
a reason to wear it. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so doing like three or four days out there, and then I'll come back and just rest until I got to go back to work. But yeah, uh, counting down the days. It's very exciting. No, absolutely. And I can imagine, too, that'll be a, a good hockey game to go to. Um be a lot of fun you know like kind of i guess you're kind of lucky that both those teams are doing pretty hot right now yeah um it just kind of worked out and uh i kind of picked i picked the vacation week around it um because i had to reschedule my vacation week so i looked for games uh with a team in mind and with dallas being uh the closest team at seven hours um, I decided, fuck it. Let's see if we can find a good game. That one kind of matched up. So I took that week. We don't have any events really going on that week. So, uh, there's no reason for them to, well, there was no reason for them to try to tell me I couldn't take that week. So I took it and then immediately bought my tickets. Um, so yeah, really excited. Um, Minnesota's doing okay, but Dallas has been, uh, they're winning their games, but uh, even when they're not, you know, they tend to be a pretty high scoring game or at least a very um, high offensive chance type of team to watch right now. So pretty excited. And it seems like uh, all all of their lines are like producing. So it's got to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so moving moving on from that to kind of the uh... – the Habs game. Did you get to uh, get to watch that? Yes, I watched most of it. Um, this was one I was excited for. We had kind of previewed it the last episode. Uh, it's unfortunate it's the only game that, that we have to talk about today, so it'll probably be a little shorter of an episode. But this game had a bit of everything, including some uh, controversy. So um, this was a good game to fucking catch. So, yeah. No, absolutely. Um Habs played strong. Uh, I thought, you know, they kind of needed to bounce back in a in a big way after the last couple games. They they'd been on a bit of a skid, and you know we already spoke about and alluded to how it was a game for Kirby Doc. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see too uh, the Habs strike first. They hadn't done that in a while. And yeah, they did pretty that early on way. too. Yeah, with Joel Edmondson who got a feed from Sean Monahan, who's been on an absolute tear, had another multi-point night. But, you know, silky little finish from Joel Edmondson that I'm not sure a lot of us thought, he, you know, he had in his arsenal. They just kind of moved the stick and a uh, great placement. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a beautiful deflection. It was a nice little activation from Edmondson there too. Very quick, like, uh, like seemed uh, like, as quick as it was, it made it seem so effortless. Like it was just, they were in the zone and then it was, a, there was a goal. It was fucking awesome. No, absolutely. Almost as effortless as Nick Suzuki when he takes those little <laughs> face off dot shots on the offside <laughs> on the power play. Suzuki has another one. And, you know, obviously luck is involved. There's no question. But for those who look at his, shooting percentage and question why it's so high almost i think second in the league right now or if not league leading 
it's because he picks and chooses his place just like that. And he just pocketed, pocketed that one for his 12th of the season, tying Cole Caulfield for the lead. Sean Monahan, of course, getting another assist on that, who quietly, like I said, has really put up the points um, as of late, and which is great if you're a Habs fan. He now has 14 points in 21 games. That's not too shabby at all. But, no, it, it's great. No, continue. Yeah, and I also wanted to point out, too, on that goal, Kirby Doc had a beautiful screen, and no point there, no point on the game for Kirby Doc, but we'll, we'll get to how he impacted the game later, but that was also a nice little play from him there. I don't know if you remember, Corey. He was standing in front of the net. He also had, you know, done well to kind of cycle the puck around. And I thought overall Doc and his, you know, return game really well in all aspects of the defensively, offensively transition. Like, I think he put in a really good performance despite the uh, zero on the score sheet. No, absolutely. He, um, right in front of the net trying to uh trying to make some presence and yeah cycling well is you know he didn't get you know anything on the sheet but played a really good game um he was noticeable and you know i'm sure a lot of people were like myself like i said the last the last episode was expecting like maybe a multi-point game that's what we've seen from him this season uh but not as quiet, you know, like not on the sheet, but wasn't wasn't a quiet game for him. He he found a way to stand out and uh, didn't buckle under the pressure of going back to Chicago. No, absolutely. And before we even get to how that game ended, obviously, most of you know, it ended in a shootout, Kirby Doc scoring the game winner. Must also be pointed out, Sam Montebo put up another unreal monster performance making 32 or 30 saves on 32 shots, 938 save percentage that game moves him to a nine, two, four on the season. If I'm not mistaken, last I checked, that was sixth in the league, but it's now fifth. He's top five <laughs> behind Hellebuck, Gorgiev, Sorokin, and Allmark. Elite names he's with right now. If no, it's it's awesome. Uh, he's it's been, terrifying. <laughs> he's been great, but it also like alludes to like how we were talking a couple episodes back that he stays on a good heater like this. If they can find a team, this is the the year of the struggle for the goalie, uh, especially injury wise. That's a good movement piece. It brings up. Uh, I think I think it brings up a good discussion, you know, come uh, uh, trade deadline. Sorry. No, absolutely. But now with the way Monty's been playing, it begs the question, who is the starter? And I don't want to get into the tanking talk today because we have it a lot. But, you know, just in terms of who's going to win you the most games, Allen has always historically been the last couple of seasons, the guy. But in terms of who's played better lately, I find it really hard pressed. I think you'd be really hard pressed to argue that Allen's played better. I don't think Allen's stats match his play because he does often get, you know, Allen will have a game where he lets in four goals and you say it could have easily been 10. Like he does get those situations a lot, mm -hmm. but you got to ride the hot hand. And right now I think Monty's the hot hand. No, I think you're right. I'm actually trying to look up 
Jake Allen right now to look at it. Uh, nine, yeah, nine so he's actually – yeah, uh, let's see. Checking my fantasy. God damn it. Um, oh, God. I'm looking at it through the THPN league that does not give any love for the gold. I got it. I got it. He is at a 891 this season. Mm-hmm. So it's actually gone down since his last game. That's unfortunate, but I mean, if you look at it too, uh, he is playing the the big chunks of the games. You know, he's he's playing two for every one that Montembeau's playing. But at the same time, if Montembeau's playing this well, obviously they'll probably give him that second game soon and try to shake it up. I'm a little nervous that that might fuck over Montembeau, but it doesn't really fuck us over if he starts to, you know, dwindle. It just plays into, you know, our um, our tanking, I guess you could say. Um, I think it's fair to say, though, that Jake Allen and Monty right now, the way they're playing, and I know Allen's stats don't really reflect it, they're a legit duo mm-hmm. in the NHL. That's a, that's a duo you could contend with the way they're playing now. No, absolutely. I think I think they should, if anything, um, you know, I guess it kind of contradicts what I just said, but maybe they should, you know, uh, Martin St. Louis should try to get a more even setup for Montembeau and just, you know, I know it's every every it's it's one out of three games. Fuck it. Give him give him an extra one. I think Monty has shown time and time again that he is not the solution in that, right? But I also think in a season in which, like, in a season that the Habs are kind of in, like, the way they're playing and the rebuilding stage, you know, we're not expecting to win a lot of games, especially given our schedule. We've gone through the easy part here. So for fans afraid of where we are in the standings, be ready. It's going to take a hit. I think I saw recently on Twitter, it was like we have like the fourth hardest schedule remaining in the league. Jeez. Why not play Monty as the starter? Allen doesn't care. Allen has time and time again said, I'm here to help the team. And regardless, you shouldn't be worried about what individual players think at this moment. Mm-hmm. Sam Montembeau is a 26-year-old goalie. He's young. You know, is it his breakout year? Probably not. But this isn't a 35-year-old veteran having some sort of twilight year, right? It's the 26-year-old former decently touted prospect who is shining. So play him and see what happens. If You know, I think it's more likely that we know who Monty is and that he regresses. But if he doesn't, then you've got a really good situation here because you've got a young goalie who's playing really well, teams like that. Or if you want to go on the other way and say, maybe we found our guy, then you trade Allen, who, yeah, his stats may not be the greatest right now, but they'll bump right back up if he's playing as the backup, as they always have and always do. And then you flip him, and he's a great asset, right? So... If I'm Marty St. Louis and I'm Kenny Hughes, I think you should absolutely 
give Monty the games, see what he does with them. Because right now he's turning everything and he touches into gold. So I'm looking at it right now. He played the last two games, um, two wins. He's got, uh, I can't see his, okay. Yeah. So he, in his last five, he's got three wins, two losses. Um, he's probably not going to play against San Jose. It gives him a, it gives him a game off. And then two, two days later, they'll probably throw him in against a struggling Calgary team to give um, Jake Allen the Edmonton game. I think that's probably the best way to do it. If he really shows well against Calgary, who's been really is, – it's still a very stacked team, but has really not been able to, like, find their rhythm this year. I think that – I think he's already proven that he's deserving of more time, but I think that would solidify it for him. And then it would also help uh, Allen – take a little bit of pressure off of him or at least strain, maybe not pressure. Cause he just, he seems like a very fucking relaxed guy, but it would take maybe a little bit of, you know, physical strain off of him. No, absolutely. I just think too, like in a season where you've got nothing to lose when players are playing good, reward them for it. No, absolutely. Uh, but getting back to what we were really talking about, um, Kirby doc finishing off that game in the shootout, and then, you know, putting his hand up, you know, getting the crowd riled up. I fucking love that. And I, I think you can tell that this is a kid that's having fun. He's enjoying hockey again. In the comments Marty St. Saint- Louis made, I thought were pretty pretty spectacular. Corey, I don't know if you, if you read them. I didn't read them. Okay, so he basically went out, I'll, I'll paraphrase, and said, you don't give up on a 21 year old player with that pedigree and that skill set. This is the player who is going to be good. Like you don't reiterate reiterated. You don't give up on that player. You play him and he will succeed (laughs) kind of threw some shade at the Chicago Blackhawks. So I thought that was pretty cool. And clearly doc is thriving under him, even though he hasn't had a point in a couple of games, I think two games now, but the top line is still buzzing. They've still got that chemistry and, I just loved what I saw from Doc Care there. That top line, they're really starting to show some personality. And I think, hey, if they've got the game to back it up, I'm all for it. Excuse me. Yeah, no. Um, just because he's not showing up uh like the last two games, like on the score sheet, doesn't mean he's he hasn't been impactful. Um, I don't know why we don't we don't consider like the shootout as you know, it's something that no, not a lot of people like, but you say what you want. Kirby Doc might not have made the score sheet, but that game was his to win, and he fucking did it, you know, um, and then has a sick Sally after. But uh, also to mention, you got, I mean, fuck, the first line went three for three in the shootout. Um, if only we can get that going with the power play. I know we were fucking one for two um, in this game, but all three – just sink it. Suzuki is uh three for three for the Habs this year. Well, so far. And uh, he's the only NHL guy doing it right now. Um, Oh, uh, we haven't talked about the Slavkovsky hit. And uh, I saw a little bit of craziness go on on Twitter. Um, I guess let's hear what you, what you feel about it. What Slavkovsky hit? He got hit by uh, Dickinson. It was uh, kind of a shoulder to the head. Kind of spun him out on the ice, caused. Oh, uh, to be honest, I don't. I thought it was a dirty shot, and 
I think he's, I don't know. Like, I just don't really remember it <laughs> to be, to be perfectly honest. Like I, I know it happened and I saw it later on Twitter, but I don't remember it happening. Yeah. It happened. It happened. Uh, I think late in the third. Um, I mean, Slavkovsky look, dude, props to him. He, he gets up, he doesn't get up quick, you know? And like when he first gets up, like you look like he, like he was trying to like refix his chin was uh his jawline uh but you know good on Pizzetta to try to do something about it immediately uh I think it's pretty I don't know you you kind of he hit him you know shoulder on the head I wouldn't consider that the biggest targeting just because of the situation when you watch it yeah it does connect he does lean in Slavkowski is a bigger guy though um I just think they should have let him fight. I mean, you fucking this kid just spun out on the fuck ground. He wasn't moving for a second. Um, you got your next game. You know, everybody on Twitter was was saying, uh, you know, just watch Arbor Jack Eye. Um, and then people were a little upset that nothing happened, which uh, upsets me because we just had the discussion last episode on how people are sick of him playing the way that they expect him to play. And then in the moment like this, they expect him to be the guy that they don't want on this team. Well, he has a chance to, at uh, if he wants to do something about it, I think it's February 13th is the next time we play Chicago and it is another home game. So I'm sure Dickinson is going to be uh, booed and we'll see if something comes out of it. Uh, hope everything's okay with Slavkovsky. I haven't really seen any anything on like an injury uh, but kudos on the kid for getting up, in, you know, as quickly as he could and trying to uh, trying to get back in it. But um, I mean, fuck, that kind of recaps the uh, the Chicago game. Um, well, fuck, normally normally Mason would have a sick uh, transition, but uh, we're running out of content. So here is a ad read from our sponsors over at DraftKings. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot and an even bigger payout. Y'all remember to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN as in the Hockey Podcast Network. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right, Mason. Um, fuck, the only thing I can think of is we just kind of preview the next game, which is going to be a dense uh San Jose, uh, the last time we played San Jose, uh, we won, and it was like the first time we won in 10 games against San Jose. It was pretty unreal. Uh, and by unreal, I just mean like it wasn't – nobody really expected that to happen. Uh, yeah, before – just quickly before we get to that, I wanted to get your opinion on Slav getting moved back down to the fourth line. Uh, I think it's miserable. Uh, I – I still like Jake Evans. Uh, Michael Pozzetta is fun guy. He was definitely fun last year. Um, he's still 
you know, has a, a role I mean, in let's, this team. Let's but be honest, it's though, not fair. It's not fair to this kid to be on that line. I, Corey, and I know you know this more than anyone. I know our listeners know this. I don't know if there's a bigger Jake Evans fan than me. Because I remember, what, 2018? When we, I, I can't even, it's been so long now. Which concussion was, era Jake Evans uh, was it? When Jake Evans was in Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was all over it saying he was going to be an NHL player. He, he had 46 points in 40 games for Notre Dame. They went, you know, I think they went to the Frozen Four. He scored a fucking amazing goal. Like one of the, you know, best like college hockey moments to send them, you know, in a, win it in OT, send them out. I love Jake Evans. I love everything he provides to the team. I think he's a phenomenal player. Last year, he put up 29 points, 13 goals. He was, he was amazing. It's a perfect third, fourth line center. He has 21 games played this season and two assists. He's been, he's been terrible. <laughs> he's not been good offensively. Defensively, he's been fine. They have not, the, the fourth line, say what you want, they have not been caved in, uh, like in their own zone. They, they've had chances, but they're, they're doing nothing offensively. And Michael yeah. Pozzetta, like you said, is, you know, a, a fan favorite for sure. But I think he's done absolutely nothing this season. I don't think he's provided anything physically. I don't, I know he provides nothing offensively. And I think defensively, he's the passenger there too. I think Evans carries them defensively. Slaff's helped a little bit, but when they get to the offensive zone, it's Slavkovsky on an island. Yeah. So it really is. Evans still does well to carry the puck into the zone. Pazetta's useless. He's not, he's not an NHL regular, not this season, not last season. I love him. But when he's providing physicality, you can, you're okay with having him in the lineup, but he hasn't even done that this year because Jack guy's taken it over. Right. So as much as I hate to really slander Jake Evans, he's, he's really like Pazetta. We expect it, but Evans is really dragging Slaff down as well. And even a third line role would be better. And I think seeing what Shane Wright's doing in the AHL right now, it, it was painful to see Slaff get demoted again. Yeah. Um, if anything, uh, another guy, he's all right. But I think uh, you could definitely slot Josh Allen as a left wing right now and bump Joel Armia down to the fourth and at least get um, Slavkovsky on like a third line, especially if they got Sean Monahan sitting on the third line right now. I mean, why not? Um, I think it's now more than ever, I think I that Slav should go to the AHL. Because I yeah, think when you if, saw that, if you see him on the fourth line like this, I think that's kind of it. Because he, it's not that he's not doing anything; it's just that he doesn't have line line mates. And I truly believe that if he went to Laval, he would have better better finishers. Like people would be able to finish opportunities better mm-hmm. on Laval than they are here. And yeah, I say that too because. Like let's let's be honest. Slaff's not a like I know we th- a lot of fans think of him as a, he's not a goal scorer. He's a playmaker. 
And what I've seen so far is that this, you know, can't be a playmaker on the fourth line. No, he can't. Not, not with this group. We're not, we're not set up depth wise for that. And like you said, I mean, you, you said it really well, Jake Evans, uh, might not be there offensively. He could still get the puck into the zone. Um, he is still that awesome guy that we saw make a fourth line turn into like, you know, the line that stops all offense for the other team. But um, it, it, putting Slavkovsky there is is dangerous. It's so bad for his game. That line takes a lot of fucking abuse. Why would you put this young kid on that line? No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And He's... I think, too, it's just more – I think for me, it's more frustrating that we see Slaff not able to – like making plays and not having them finished. Yeah. Right? That's where it gets really frustrating, especially for a young player who – you're trying to develop his offensive game and he's clearly struggling because I think if he was here last year, he would thrive because there was so much jumbling that you didn't have, you know, there was so many of, there was so much availability. He wouldn't sniff going below, you know, the, the second line probably because it was just so unorganized. Now it's, I mean, shit, like I, I, Consider Dadanov could could fall. I don't give a fuck, you know. But it's they they brought in these guys. It's not like last year where it was like, okay, these guys were here, but they were from an older regime. We're gonna move them around. Who gives a fuck? This team's not producing well. Anybody can be on any line at any moment. It doesn't matter. He doesn't have that opportunity like he could have last year. He, he takes a nasty fucking hit for it. He's only, you know, averaging about 10, 11 minutes a game. Fuck, dude. I don't know. We had a good conversation about it last episode. But uh, if he's okay and he can play and they keep him on the fourth line, it's a waste of time. No, I think, too, I just wanted to discuss it because we're seeing Shane Wright score all these goals. And it's it's frustrating, right? Because we're watching Shane Wright succeed in a league that we think Slaff should be in. And that was a lot of people's guy. So it's a little I don't know how I don't know the word. Well, I know it's I know it's got a lot of people up in arms again, and it's like pump the fucking brakes. One, look at the line he's on. It's the fourth fucking line. You know, there's nothing to help him with. Send him down. Send him down or move him up. I don't think Evgeny Dadanov has played well enough to hold a spot uh, above him. I don't think Yoel Armia has held a spot enough to be over him. Fucking make some moves. Jumble it around a little bit. This kid needs more time, and he doesn't deserve. He's not going to develop getting his shit kicked and, and, and just more or less playing fucking, you know, chasing back and forth for 45 to 50 seconds until he's got to go sit down again. He's just gassing himself. He's got no one to help him make any type of connection. Jake Evans can help him get it in there, but then it's send it to Slavkovsky, who's got to either pat, who's got to either shoot it or look around for one of them to, you know, to make a pass. It's 
I don't know. You're not giving this kid the, the pieces he needs to to improve. No, absolutely. Unless you and want him to be a grinder. There's also, I think, too, there's guys you can call up as well who in the AHL may deserve the opportunity. Jesse, Jesse Alonen has 15 points in 20 games. Uh, Xavier Simeno, who I think should stay down, has 16 points in 19 games for Laval right now. Uh, a guy we talked about last year. It's his rookie yeah. season in the AHL. Five foot six, scrappy little center, doing phenomenally. Uh, you know, you can always call up a guy like Harvey Pinard, who, you know, is not. It's not an NHL player, but you know, he can slide in there. We're not worried about winning games. Rem Pitlick is still in the AHL. We don't. We never. We kind of. Ha- haven't spoken about him. He's got 6.8 games because he's an NHL player. He should be mm-hmm. in the NHL, even on in the fourth line where we're wasting Slavkovsky. So it's frustrating to see um, Slav kind of be poorly utilized here. And especially when we have guys who I think are better NHL options, or at least guys who I'm willing to see on the fourth line as opposed to Slav. Yeah. Yes. He alone is, is, if we do call up Samadhi, I think he's he serves so much time for this team. I think he's the he, right he call to bring a up. He needs a solid opportunity. Absolutely. And then actually, I mean, they're they're desperate. You know, well, not desperate, but I don't know the t- the timetable for Mike Hoffman, but Yessi Lonen would be the perfect swap. You know, well, so. and put Yelonen too on a line that can score right yeah i think i think it's i think it's so fucking silly that they're just there's there's guys that aren't producing that aren't on the fourth line why are we afraid to give the young guy a chance or when we call up somebody why are we going to be afraid to put that guy on the fourth line is it because we're still trying to shop him sure but he ain't fucking producing second or third line because they're not they're not cracking the one, not cracking the one. So you got you got more or less five guys on the the second and third line that really aren't fucking doing shit all. In that exception, the sixth guy is Sean Monahan. I think in the top six right now, there are only. Three, you know what? Monahan's deserved it. There are four guys that have earned a stable spot in that top six: Suzuki, Caulfield, and Doc. The other two positions should totally be up for grabs because Dvorak has not done anything offensively. And we talked about how he had an underrated season last year offensively. He's Looking pretty rated. <laughs> poor season this year. I don't think it's getting enough. I don't think he's getting enough heat, to be perfectly honest. Mike Hoffman is also, you know, we've spoken about this a lot. He hasn't done well. Galley has not done well either. He has not produced. Anderson has not produced. So why are these guys? Dadanov has done next to nothing. The way I see it, Monahan, you know, even if he's playing, Monahan should be the second line center. And give him young wingers. Get a Yelonen up there. Get a Slaff up there. Gee, like, fuck. 
Give him Jake Evans on his wing for all I care. Rem Pitlick, somebody, because these veteran guys aren't doing anything. And this is supposed to be about development. So I'm getting frustrated because I know you want to trade these guys. I know they're trade chips. But you walked into an organization that has prospects. You have guys who need opportunities. And we spoke about this being a development year. It's been great for the top line, the young guys there. It's been great for the defensemen. But there are those guys in the AHL right now, like Jesse Alonen, who has been dying for a top six opportunity. Not a third line, fourth line one like he's had in the past. Yelonen needs top six minutes because this is kind of a make or break year for him. He's 23 years old. He's shown that he can get it done in the AHL. Even last year, he had five points in 14 games. It wasn't terrible. He can score. He can run a power play. He's got a clap bomb. Remember, we were last year talking about his shot, his release. It's phenomenal. So give him that opportunity. And if you're not going to give it to Yelonen, who I think you absolutely should, why don't you give it to the guy who, as a rookie last year, you know, put up how many, how many points did Pitlick put up last year? Mm. Like, let me quickly 26 points in 46 games as a rookie. Yeah. Like, or sorry, no, he put up even, did he put up more than that? Are you, are you adding his points from Minnesota? I'm not. I think he he had eight. 38 points last year in 66 games. How is that not an NHL player? 25 years old, can skate like the wind, can play center. But no, we're playing Mike Hoffman, Christian Dvorak, Brendan Gallagher, Josh Anderson, Joel Armia. Like, I just it does make it make sense to me. I don't understand the thought process here. And <laughs> I'm getting like... I don't know. I don't even really know. Like I'm getting mixed signals from the organization because for some players, they're getting the opportunities like doc, like Caulfield, Suzuki, Gooley, uh, Jack, but other players who have been around for a while and have earned these opportunities aren't. So I'm just, sorry, I went a little bit of a tirade there, but I don't understand what fucking Mike Hoffman and Josh Anderson have done to deserve these minutes and these opportunities that they've gotten over and over and over again. We're 21 games into the season. I don't think they're going to turn it around. Yeah. I think they're just, they're forcing these guys to play these minutes. Well, these roles in hopes that they can get something out of it because they're definitely um, key moving parts, but at some point they're not going to they're it's going to get to a point where they they're not going to be able to catch up to what they were hoping these players would produce in order to move them for certain you know certain level of you know uh picks or what have you or prospects but um something needs to change change uh Rem Pitlick's only played 8 games and uh he's already got 6 points so He's played fucking 10 games less than just about the majority of this team. And uh, he's 
pretty close to sitting up there well, with everybody. And he can like we know we can, what he can do in the NHL when he has minutes. He's mm-hmm. a good player. He doesn't hurt you defensively. And he's young. That's the other thing. He's young. Play the young guys. I don't care if Josh Andrews, like I know he has a I want him to do well, but he's not going to. Gallagher. I will never speak ill of Gallagher in the sense that, like, I know what he provides in the locker room, but I also know he can provide that from a third line role. No, absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm biased with Gallagher, but I'm not biased to say that he doesn't need to be slotted in a third in a on the third line, and I think he would understand that as well. But there's Yoel Almia has has, in my opinion, has not done anything. To, des- to be deserving above a fourth line position. And I actually think in the weirdest way possible, Armia as of late has been the best of that group. And he's, and, and I think that speaks a lot to how that group's played because he's done nothing. I don't think he has a point all year. Yeah. I mean, he had, he's, he's getting looks, but That's like you said, you, like you look, you name, you name those four guys, you, the first line plus Monahan, everybody else should be a jumbled mess until it starts working. Sean Monahan has proved that he can he can get a play going with just about anybody. So do that. Monahan and that's the one thing about Monahan is he needs someone to carry the puck. Right? Like he he needs someone who can get the puck into the offensive zone. Once he's in the offensive zone, he's great. He's good. Yeah. But when saying in saying that and acknowledging that, Give him I don't Adams. understand why he's playing with Josh Anderson and Armia, who are both capable of doing that, but have shown I mean, consistently that they can't because Anderson takes well it is great at gaining zone entry, but does not possess the talent to then make a play from it. He can't pass. And conversely, you look at Rem Pitlick is a phenomenal transition player who can and will gain you zone entries and then pass the puck. Pitlick's, our major criticism criticism of him last year has always been that he doesn't shoot enough. Mm -hmm. So why, you know, when I can see, I guarantee the Habs head office has identified that that's a weakness of Monaghan is that he needs someone named zone for him. Why have they not considered that? You know what I mean? Like, it just makes no sense to me. And even Jake Evans, a guy who can very frequently earn you opportunity, like earn uh fuck. What's the word? Earn the offensive zone plays well in, tra- in transition skates. Well, my only issue is, and I think, it's a kind of a tough hurdle to overcome. And maybe it's why Slav's played on the fourth. I don't think Slav has consistently shown that he's a great transition player yet. So I think him and Monaghan may, may clash a little bit. They're both puck dominant players, but that feeds even more into my argument that why don't we send Slav down then and call up one of these players? It seems to me like you're solving you know, you're killing two birds with one stone. 
I tell me if you think I'm being, um, you know, ridiculous, Corey, too, or if you. No, I don't. Have I don't think differences. you. I don't think you are. Um, it's not that anyone else is more deserving. It's it's not working, um, and you're wasting your you're wasting your time. Like yeah, this team this team look this team isn't gonna win or lose more if you shuffle the back end. So why not? The back, sorry, do you mean like the the bottom line? Yeah, the well, the the bottom six. Yeah, or like, who cares if they lose more? That's what I'm saying. Like, we're not gaining. Like, anything. Ideally, we would gain anything from it. So it's well, ideally, I want like every any you want individual stats for the young guys. You want them to pad their stats. Obviously, you want them to grow as players. But if the veterans also pad their stats from it, that's the win. So I don't, it just makes zero sense to me why we keep trotting out a different combination of some form of the middle, the middle six being Dadanov, Dvorak, Gallagher, Armia, Anderson, uh, with Monaghan sprinkled in or Drew in. It doesn't make sense to me because. Yeah, you, you, ju- you shuffle them up a bunch, but it's the same guys who are all not doing anything. So if you can move them around to maybe mix in some youth and get everyone going, then it's a win both ways. So I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, went on a little bit of a, like a, a tirade there, but I just... I don't know. I don't really know where the halves go from here. I think, I think from my opinion, it's pretty clear what they should be doing, but I'll be honest. I have no idea what they're trying to accomplish right now. Other than every night they get carried by the top line and Monty and we're not seeing a lot of growth from the bottom six, which I was hoping would be populated with young guys this season. Excuse me. No, I think you're right, but uh, we've definitely beat a dead horse on this topic. <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, um, we've run out of stuff. Last thing is, you know, Tuesday we got uh, a game against the Sharks. We previously mentioned it, but uh, that could easily be a win for us if we can contain an a. Uh, rejuvenated Eric Carson, who's leading the league defensively uh, in offensive numbers and is top 10 in uh, points and assists. So uh, that team is still struggling. Uh, I think, honestly, you find a way to shut down Eric Carson. Um, you win the game. Couture and uh, Myers, they're not having the season that they were last year. Uh Tommy Hurdle's starting to heat up a little bit, but I think that team is is um, dealing with a lot of the same issues that we are right now. Is just trying to refine uh, something. So, yeah, I mean, like you like Meyer and Hurdle both almost point a game. Couture doing well too, but they just haven't been able to win games, and I think they're kind of having the opposite season the Habs are whereas their goaltending has just been putrid yeah but it's great to see the redemption arc from Eric Carlson he put up another two points and he's at 32 points on the year I mean is it good to see it though uh yeah because... I love it 
I love it. He, that he's tied for third in the league. And no, that's that's cool. But it took getting rid of every body that was a San Jose Shark for Eric Carlson to do that. And now Brent Burns. Is, they bring dude. They brought in Eric Carlson. They signed him to that ridiculous contract. They lost their fucking uh, their captain, who is now dominating and helping Jason Robertson run shit. I don't mean from the San Jose Sharks perspective. I mean from Carlson's. Oh no, for Carlson, just just Carlson as an individual. This is him being healthy, right? Which yeah, no, no. I I okay, I can agree with that. It's great to see him play um, back to the level you expected him to be at especially after that 2017 just domination. Um, I'm still, you know, I'm still waiting for him to get hurt. Like, I I don't think he's had – he hasn't had um, a full season with the Sharks. He hasn't played a full season with them. I think the most he's played is like 70 games, which was that, I think, his first year. Um, But everybody that they had to move, more or less, that was like a big factor for the San Jose Sharks, has now found something somewhere else and it's continuing to do good. I just think Eric Carlson came in and it it fucked up a lot of things for them. It's especially the cap, but um whatever. Uh you stop Eric Carlson right now, you beat the Sharks. Uh Logan Couture and Meyer last year definitely were stealing games for this team and, and they're still playing great, but it's not I guess it's not to the extent of what it was last year. So I think if, if you honestly can find a way to stop Eric Carlson, that's a, that's an easy win for this team. No, absolutely. I think this is a game the Habs should hope to win. And I think it'll be an offensive performance uh, from both teams, probably the way they're both teams are kind of firing on all cylinders with the top lines. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. Well, look, but I don't have anything else to say. You got anything else you want to say before we head out? Uh, take no, her out. I think we're good, buddy. All right. Well, send us out, bud. All right. Well, thank you guys once again for stopping by listening. As always, you can find us at Habs Nightly and at Bayou Benders on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we appreciate all the support, and uh, we'll see you guys again on Thursday. Thank you. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.